Good to have all of you with us, as well as those joining uh, via television and the internet uh, here at Celebration Church. We are teaching on the message of Jesus. We are in the Gospel of Matthew. Starting, uh, we are now in uh, Matthew, the sixth chapter, the 16th verse. We've been looking at the teachings of Jesus. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Teaching them to obey what I've told you to obey. Uh, Sadly, a lot of our preaching over the last many decades has been going into all the world and just getting people to believe, to say a prayer. Well, it's important to start with a prayer. It's important to believe, but that's just the opening salvo. That is not fulfilling the Great Commission. We need to teach people what Jesus taught us. Sadly, many people have no idea what Jesus taught. I'm talking about people who've been Christians most of their lives. Have no idea what Jesus taught. And I thought, you know, we're just going to go through the Gospels and we're going to show you. This is what Jesus told his disciples. And told them to go and tell everybody to do the very same things. Now, we're in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it's taken quite a while because, you know, every little phrase or so, he's got some other you know, amazing thing to say and we've got to talk about it. It will speed up once we get past this. But uh, he's uh, now talking uh, in verse 16 about fasting. He says, when you fast... Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, in the first service, (laughs) I had a really hard time preaching. I, I had this cough. I couldn't shake. And the whole time you're thinking, don't cough, don't cough, don't cough. It's hard to be thinking about what you're going to say next at the same time. So between that and a runny nose starting to think, (laughs) it was horrible. But uh, I blew my nose and I have these things ready to go. We're going to start one now. And hopefully I can talk without thinking about not coughing. There we go. Now, Jesus has been talking, has mentioned several things now about doing things just so God sees you do it. First one he says, when you help other people, when you give alms, when you come along and you give money to someone, help them out, don't make a big deal out of it. Don't do it to be seen by others. Oh, look what a nice person I am. I'm really generous, blah, 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 blah. Well, he says, all they're wanting is the attention of people. That's all they get. Uh, Don't be like that. He says, when you help others, do it in a way that nobody knows you're doing it. And, uh, And then your father who sees you in secret will bless you and reward you accordingly. Then, he talked about prayer. He says, when you pray, don't be like some of the hypocrites who go around praying, and they're praying very loud, and oh God, blah, 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 blah. And they're doing it again to be noticed of people. They get kind of a charge off of people seeing how spiritual they are. He said, they get their reward, that's it. But when you pray, he says, just get alone with God. Talk to God. Your Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. And then the third one, he says, now when you fast, don't do it to be seen by others. He said, these guys would fast, and they would literally, he says, disfigure their faces. They actually made themselves look miserable. <laughs> so when they're fasting, everybody look at them, what's wrong with you? Oh, I'm fasting. Oh, boy, he's a spiritual guy. He says, they do it again to be noticed by other people. He says, don't be like that. When you fast, make yourself look great so everybody thinks you're perfect. There's nothing wrong with you. And your father who sees what you're doing secretly will reward you openly. Now, in a way, it's difficult for us to really teach on these things. What Jesus is saying is when you give money to help people, 
when you pray and when you fast, do it the right way. It's hard for us to teach on this because we don't really need to be teaching on how to do it the right way. We just need to be teaching on doing it. Most people don't give money, don't pray, and certainly don't fast. So here Jesus is talking about how to do it right. I'm thinking, good Lord, we can't get people to do it. Now, fasting, which if you're not familiar with the term, means to not eat. Not a popular subject in today's culture. We love to eat. Some of you can't wait for me to shut up so you can get out here and get something to eat. We love to eat. And when you fast, you intentionally do not eat. You might skip a meal. You might skip two. You might fast for an entire day. Some people go for days. And when they do this, they are praying and drawing closer to God. Again, Jesus is saying how to do this in the best way. Our problem is we don't. most people don't even do it. I won't ask how many hands here have never fasted because I don't want to embarrass you and I don't want to get depressed because uh, most people have never done it at all. And you'll notice Jesus said, didn't say if you fast. He said when. Everybody say when. When you. I mean, according to Jesus, it was normal. When you pray, when you give money to help people, and when you fast, do it the right way. We live in a culture where they don't even do these, these three things. And that's our problem. Let me encourage you, if you have not done this, you need to do it. You need to fast. There is something powerful that happens when you fast and pray. So I get hungry. Yeah, it kind of bites. But every time you feel hungry, it reminds you, pray. Pray. Ask God for what you need. When should you pray and fast? When are you in trouble? If you're in trouble, if you need God to show up in your life, If you need a miracle, if you need something to change, if you have a big decision you need to make and you're not sure what to do, what should you do? You should fast and pray. Quit eating. It will not kill you. You will not die. You will think you're going to die. But you're not going to die. Now, this is assuming you don't have some bad medical medical condition like severe diabetes or something. You know, it might kill you, but... got problems like that check with your doctor most of us our lives will not be shortened by not eating most of us our lives will be greatly lengthened (laughs) if we quit eating for five minutes stop pray and just focus on God and skip the meals I'm telling you this is a Christian discipline and it's one sadly most people have never done You need to do it. Now, unless you have a life where you never have any problems, you never need to God to show up, you never have any big decisions, you never have any, then good, then maybe you don't have to fast and pray. But assuming you're that rare group of people that actually needs God to show up in a dramatic way, fast and pray. Now, I know of churches that uh, they won't even meet with you to discuss your problems unless you fast and pray first. I told Pastor Latham, I said, man, we ought to do that. Even up our days a lot, wouldn't it? Yeah, a lot more, less people coming to see you. People calling up and saying, man, we've got a real problem. I need to talk to you. All right, well, fast for a day and pray and then come see me. I'm serious. We should, we should talk about this. I am not exaggerating. I mean, at some point, it'll thin out the herd real quick because most people won't do it. They just won't come back. Then they'll say, we're evil because we didn't. Hey, they wouldn't meet with me, you know. No, you just wouldn't quit eating. The problem is for people, these are the people, if someone will actually, I'm sorry, if someone will do this, when they come to help, they'll listen to us. 
You know how many people come and talk and they don't listen to you? You spend hours and 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 in one ear and out the other. These are the probably people who kind of could have filtered if we just told them fast and pray and then come see us. Sometimes when you go see the doctor, before you get a test, you got to fast, right? You know, you're going to be in there in the morning, stop eating at such and such time, so you're fasting, so will you take your test? Or they won't take the test. I'm telling you, we, we, gotta, we need to fast and pray about it. Anyway, <laughs> need to do it. It's a discipline. Draw close to God. Now, there's three things the Bible warns us about in our Christian faith that will work against you. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Well, the world we get. You don't have to be a Christian very long before you know there's a lot of people in the world who don't like you just because you're a Christian. You'll have friends who will reject you if you profess to be a Christian. You'll have family who will think you're crazy you're in a nutcase, think you're nuts for even being at this church because you, you're a Christian. They don't want to have anything to do with it. We get that very quickly. The world, a lot of the world does not like faith. The devil, well, we get that. The devil works very hard. To make people as miserable as possible. To make things as hard as possible. Then why is that? So you'll quit. That's why he does it. So you'll quit. You get tired and you quit. That's why you need to press through and keep going. At some point, he'll just leave you alone. If you're the kind of person that the devil's constantly beating up and everything's always going, ah, why is that, Pastor? Because you haven't learned not to give up. Once you get across that you're not going to give up, he moves on. But then we got the flesh. That you don't hear a lot about. This body in which you live, this is not your friend, okay? This is the part of you, a real part of you, that really isn't crazy about God. Even though you live in this body and serve God, your fleshly body doesn't like God. The Bible talks about the struggle between the flesh. Your flesh is the part of you that doesn't want to read the Bible. Your flesh is the part of you that does not want to pray. Your flesh is the part of you that doesn't want to trust God and would rather freaking panic. Your flesh is the part of you, well, several anyway this morning, because it's nice out, that aren't here this morning. At least you guys got past that. God bless you. But your flesh doesn't like God. Your flesh is the part of you that wants to get mad at somebody and hit them. Your flesh is the part of you that just is filled with bitterness and unforgiveness. Your flesh is a part of you that, you know, just, it's not fair that guy has that and I don't have it and I I want what they got and then you start to covet. Your flesh is the part of you that will cause you to lust and desire things you should not desire. Your flesh is not your friend. And one of the Christian disciplines that all Christians should practice is fasting. Because it tells your flesh to shut up. This does not control me. I control this. This is something most people today don't understand. We live in a very narcissistic culture today that says whatever your body wants, you should give it to it. Whatever your emotions want, you should give it to it. Just whatever you need. ah! You've got to learn to say no to this. If you don't learn to say no to this, it'll kill you. All right, so, um, you know, start small. Just, Just a meal. Pick a day next week, just to skip a meal, and pray. The whole time you're hungry, just pray. You know, grow from there. But get this discipline, especially when you need a breakthrough in your life. You need God to do something in your life. Fast and pray. Now he talks in verse 19, he says, Now do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. He said, Pastor, that's not my problem. I'm not a wealthy person. I don't have big treasures that I left. Listen, you don't have to be a wealthy person to do this. The truth of the matter is, we all, anybody, can get caught up into this thing 
of chasing for treasures. It might be itty-bitty things. It might be that extra pair of shoes that you don't really need. It might be that thing that you throw on your credit card. You, might, you know, we live in a very consumeristic culture where people just, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, I got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. And then we get just caught up to our eyeballs, overextending ourselves. Houses that are more than we really need. Cars that are nicer than you really need. Now, if you've got the money, it's not a problem, knock yourself out. But a lot of people, they extend themselves into a place of misery. I know a lot of you think your problem is you don't have enough money. I'm sure of that. If I asked all of you here, said, how many of you don't think you have enough money? Hands would go up everywhere. Your problem is not that you don't have enough money. Not largely. I know people who make a hundred, two hundred, three hundred, five hundred thousand dollars a year and who are in debt up to their eyeballs, are having to work a second job, doing everything they can because they just don't have enough money. Because they keep spending beyond their means. It goes and it goes and it goes. People who got 30,000 a year think, boy, if I had 60,000 a year, it would make all the difference. And then you make 60 and you think, oh, gee, if I just had 90. And you make 90 and you know nothing's changed. I mean, this happens all the time, all the time. Some of you have gone, you've been around for a while and you've worked and you've worked and your, your income has gone up and up and you keep getting in a deeper, deeper hole. At some point, we have to get control of ourselves. Quit consuming everything you have on stuff. You know, the Bible says that we should plant seed, financial seeds, give money, give, and Jesus said it'll be given to you. That's so countercultural because we don't want to give because most of us don't have anything to give. Because God fills up our little feed bag and we eat every single kernel. And we get done. I don't have anything. Well, no, you ate it. Stop eating everything. It's like going to a farmer and you're looking at the farms. This guy's got a nice field of corn. This guy's got a nice field of corn. This guy, he doesn't have any corn. Why? I really like cornmeal. And I got the seed, and you know, I, I made some really, you know, cornbread and stuff, you know, honey and butter. It's really good, man. And I gave some to the neighbors, you know, they enjoyed it too. You know, it was really, and I, and I, I didn't have anything else to plant. There's a picture of most of us in this room. I know it. We're Americans. That's what we do. And then we run out of corn, and then we give somebody a card and say, "Here, give me some more corn." What are you gonna do? Eat it. Then we read about this stuff and giving and, uh, Pastor, I don't have anything to give. I know, you ate it. Stop eating everything. And I know this is hard. And some of you, it'll take you years to get this. But we'll keep beating it into you. Quit spending every puking penny you have on stuff. Get a smaller house. Drive an older car. I drive a used Kia. Praise God, hallelujah. I could drive a really nice new fancy car where these young guys go, ooh, what a cool car. As it is, they see me driving around and say, what a dork. <laughs> but this dork has money. Because <laughs> I'm not buying the cool car, so you can go, ooh, what a cool car. <laughs> Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where does the saying, you know, you can't take it with you. Well, in a sense, you can. 
if you don't eat it all here. Store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin can't destroy and thieves can't break in and get it. Look for opportunities to invest in the kingdom of God, to give to the kingdom of God. Look for opportunities. And you're giving in these offerings and stuff and maybe there's stuff you see around the church where there's a need in something. Say, you know, how come we don't have that one thing? Well, we can't afford it. You know, my wife and I, we'll, we'll pay for that. You know, you're not going to get a big plaque on the side given by Bobby and Susie Smith. You know, that's what Jesus said, don't do. This is where you do it in secret. And you're looking for investments. Good investors are always looking for places to invest. You know that? Those people who are smart investors. I'm not. I don't get it. If I was smart at it, when I was in, my, in the 1970s, I'd have bought stock in Apple. <laughs> I'd be a wealthy man today, you know. But I don't get it. I don't know how they figure that stuff out. I don't know where to invest it. But a good investor is always, they don't sit around and wait. They're looking. They're investigating. Are you investing in the kingdom of God? So I don't have a lot of money. You know, a lot of investors don't have a lot of money. The reason they end up with a lot of money is because they invested the whole time. With a little bit that they had. Took a little bit. Invested here. Bought a more stock here. Put a little here. Da, 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 da. After a lifetime, hochi mama. They got a bunch of money. Weren't they lucky? It's not luck. They invested. They planned. Are you planning for eternity? Financially speaking, invest in the kingdom of God. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Then he says, it sounds like he changes the subject here, but he doesn't. He says, the eye is the lamp, or, or the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, then your whole body will be full of light. But if they're not healthy, you'll be full of darkness, obviously. And if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? He's not talking about eyeballs here. He's still talking about money. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And then he continues to talk about money, which we can't get into now. We'll have to pick it up uh, when we continue on. But uh, you cannot serve two masters. If, if you're going to focus, this is where we have a problem. Our eyes, we become so myopic, we get so focused on money that it becomes a trap for us. Now, here's the crazy thing about money. We all need it. We all need the money. Without it, life is really hard. And then you become a burden to everybody. We need the money. We need something that the Bible warns us about. What does it mean? Just be careful. Don't get so caught up. All focus your eye on that one little, ah, I need just that stuff. Because you'll be full of darkness if you do this. Don't get so caught up in the pursuit of gain that the things that really matter in life begin to diminish. Now, and Jesus is going to warn, as we get through this and we're reading through it, you'll see him warn many times about this. There's one thing, if there's one thing Jesus talked a lot about, there's a few places where he talked about, you know, you know, forgive people and, you know, don't divorce your spouse and don't, some of these things we've already hit on. But, you know, when, the one thing he talks a lot about that we'll see recurring, two things, forgiveness and money. Don't get so caught up in stuff. It will suck the life out. It's like a drug that you can take, that have taken properly, will bring you healing in life. But misused can kill you. Right? It, it's, it's like that. you got to be careful with some of these drugs. And money is that kind of a drug. You need it. But you need to be careful. Don't get so consumed by it that it becomes so important to you and so consuming that it will start sucking the life out of you. And if there's one area that we really struggle with this, I think it is Christian parents today where we are really sending the wrong message to our young people. 
because you've done life for 15, 20, 30 years and you've worked so hard and you know how hard it is and the importance of money and you often think, gee, if I'd have been a little bit smarter or if I'd have gotten more education or if I'd done this and this and this and then the overwhelming message you pass on to your kids above all, above everything. Get a good education. You got to focus on money. You need a career. You got to get all this stuff. We've been reading more and more the statistics today in the Christian church in America. It's an abysmal disaster. Evangelical churches like ours, and there's millions of people in America that go to churches like ours, that are Bible-based, Bible-centered, Christ-focused churches. It's not about religion. It's about really knowing God in their life. But they're saying that 80% of our young people today are giving up on their faith by the first and second year in college. 80% surely we're doing something wrong. That means we take your little snot snows little sweetheart back there and change his poopy diapers and get him a little older and start teaching him Bible studies and put him in here where Pastor Keith teaches him more Bible stories and teaches him to sing and praise God and get involved in the youth group and worship in Jesus and get him into these services and listen to me ramble away and all. And after 18 years of us pouring our values into them, one or two years out of school, they're giving up on Jesus. Our kids are failing morally at an accelerated rate. And while there are several reasons for this, one of them, I'm telling you, one of them is that we have lost our focus. We have told our kids above all, I didn't, but many have told their kids above all else, you need that education, you need that career, you need that money, that's the biggest focus. And just get it. And I know parents who get so obsessed by this. Christian parents. They're worshiping at the altar of money, 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 money. And they love the money and they worship the money. And who cares about the God of heaven? Who cares about him? We don't need him. He'll get over it. My kids are having sex. Oh, I don't care about that. But they need money. And our kids don't go to church anymore. Oh, we don't care. We need money. It's the most important focus. What we hope is that they'll still do the stuff right. But when it comes down to it, the most important thing, forget that. We need money. I know Christian parents who've told me. I know some of you get mad at me when I talk about encouraging our kids. If you fall in love, you want to be with someone, get married. I don't care if you're 18, 19, 20 years of age. I don't care how old you are. You find someone to do life with, do it right. And Christian parents just have fits about this. How can you tell them to do that? I've had Christian parents who tell me, I would rather my kids have sex than marry too young. I'd rather they move in with their boyfriend or girl. I don't want them to get married too young. Some of you sitting out there think this way. You wonder why our kids are such a mess. Why? Because the most important thing to you is their education, their career, anything that might threaten this has got to be pushed into second place. We have to stop this insanity. It is time we start really living out our faith. And even though we know life is hard, you need the education, you need the schooling, but do life right. Honor God first.
Now, one of the things we are starting, and I've been talking with our staff for the last year about this, and it's going to take some time. It's going to take, I told our guys, it might take us years before this gets into our culture. But we're going to start emphasizing and encouraging the young people that grow up in this church, our teenagers, that they should not graduate from high school and go right into college. That they should take one year, one year and serve God. We're going to be uh, introducing them and to you parents, opportunities. We're going to show you different ministries and organizations all over the world where these kids can get involved and serve and do something for others instead of just running off trying to get married, or not married, but uh, make money and, and partying and all this other kind of nonsense. Now, I know just me saying this puts the fear of God in some of you guys. Some of you teenagers, oh, I don't want to do that. No, of course not, because you, you haven't been raised in a culture that emphasizes that. But we're going to change this. We can't force anybody to do anything. But when I stand before God, I don't want to be... You know, i, I got to give an account... You know, who's, you know who's going to be under the toughest microscope in this place on Judgment Day? Me. Those are the rules. That's what the Bible says. Whoever teaches, he's going to be under a harder microscope than everybody else. i got to give an answer to all this stuff. I want us to know that we need to start putting God first. You know, Mormons have more of a clue than we do. You know, Mormons, for the first two years, they encourage their people, before you start college, before you start, take two years. Two years. They say two years. When you see these Mormon missionaries around knocking on doors and stuff like that, those young men, they're all taking two years of their life and they're serving their religion before they start everything else in life. I'm pushing for a year. If you can't do a year, do a semester. Do something. But wouldn't it be horrible if your young person actually went out after 18 years of being a narcissistic little snot and learn to serve somebody else. Learn to pray. Learn to help someone. Maybe help build, you know, shelters for people in India or who knows. The opportunities all over the world. Or then you have to leave the country. You can stay in this country and, and serve and help. Or they're not making any money. Or you need to help support them. I'll tell you what, it's cheaper than <laughs> one year at ORU. <laughs> That's 30 grand a year. School's expensive, man. If nothing else, it'll buy you some time to save up more money to put them through college. Send them off somewhere. Get a culture. What we need to start doing is having a culture where we're saying to our young people, you're going to be graduating soon? Really, where are you spending your first year of college? Where are you spending your first year of ministry? Where are you spending your first ministry opportunity? Where are you going to go for ministry? Oh, you're almost out of high school. Oh, so where are you going? You're going with this youth group? You're going with this ministry over here? Wouldn't that be a great change? That the expectation in our ministry... No, they don't have to do anything they want. But where the expectation becomes that as soon as I leave high school, the first thing I do is I go and serve. And I put God first for a year of my life. And get them into a situation where they're immersed in seeing real need. See what it means to sacrifice, to give. Then, when they come, it's a year, it's nothing. It will give them, I'll tell you, they will come back and they will be changed forever. And now they can come back and start focusing on their school. And I'll tell you what, they're going to be different. Their heart will still be in a place of knowing what it means to serve and help others. 
kids who do this oftentimes, even during the summers while they're going through school, still will take off and go and do a missions thing for a month or two. It's something that gets in them. It changes you. We've got to learn to give. We've got to learn to serve God. Listen to me. The most important thing to your kid is not their education. It's not. The most important thing to your kid is not their career. It's not. If you still think the most important thing for your kid is their career and their education, you do not get this. The most important thing is that they know God, that they know Christ, that they know how to live out their faith and to give back and to serve others. When we start having that kind of culture, we will change the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kindness and your grace. And Lord, we know these words are pretty tough. Actually, almost all of them so far have been really tough. But you said the truth would set us free. It wouldn't crush us. It would lift us up, give us life. Help us, O Lord, to change our focus. Help us not to get our eyes so focused on money that we fail to serve God, because you can't do both. You taught us that. Help us to learn to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Help us to really live this thing out. Lord, we know money's important. You said you knew that we needed these things. But help us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, and you promise all these things would be added to us. Help us to get our priorities straight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, now, as is our custom at this time of year, usually in, 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 in June, Deb and I will go and, and give ourselves an opportunity to minister. We get invitations all the time from all over the world. Uh, last year, we went to Africa. We're going back again to Africa this year. I think next year they're lining us up for Australia. So uh, it's our opportunity to go out and minister to them. And uh, share some of these things. So, we're going to be gone for a few weeks as we go back to Africa. Last year, we took uh, Lathan and Lynn with us. But Lynn's been banned from the country, so she can't get back in. So, (laughs) I'm just teasing. They just don't like her. So, anyway. uh, (laughs) They're staying here. Actually, your parents are coming over. So we'll, we'll pass in the night. And wave as they come to America, we'll be going to Africa. Hey! So uh, we're going to be over there, and uh, we'll try and give updates as we did last year and stuff. So pray for us that we'll be safe as we go out there to serve and to give and to minister to other people. Uh, Pastor Lathan and all the different guys will be ministering to you over the next few weeks. Open up and hear from them. Stay involved, stay faithful, and, uh, and we'll see you when we get back, okay? God bless you guys. Bye-bye.